Welcome to the Fantasy Sports Cave on the NFL Wrap-Up. This is the NFL Wrap-Up episode number two. Wrapping up the divisional game here on Wednesday because our co-host Julian had a little vacation getaway. He's in, up in Big Bear. Shout out to Julian. Julian, how are you doing? Uh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. It's a little cold up there, so I wasn't used to that. You know, Southern California boy ain't used to the freezing weather, ain't used to the snow, but it was cool to see it. Cool to go sledding, cool to do those things. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, I'm cool as a cucumber right now. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, Lucas, how are you doing today, man? I'm feeling great, bro. Speaking of things we are not used to seeing, let's just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. The first game we have to get into was maybe the biggest upset of the weekend. I wasn't upset, though, because yeah. I expected this to happen. But we haven't been used yeah. to seeing uh, Lamar Jackson being shut down like we used to. So we're obviously talking about the Titans at the Ravens. Um, I'll just go through my first impressions first. I thought Tannehill had a great game, as David likes to call him, Tannehill. I think this is probably <laughs> his best game of the year. He looked really well, um, just hitting every every receiver. He's even had some few um, tough passes that some receivers have dropped. Um, some nice ones, though. The first one to Jonu Smith, that lob, um, some huge deep shots, to, and he was getting everyone involved. Um, Derrick Henry was dominant once again. He had some huge runs. His presence alone is just a factor um, because he had a goal line play where he looks like he's running it up the gut and then he just throws it over the top. So at this point, the Titans, it, they're, they're putting everything together. They're, they're, they, have, they have what they, they're really good at doing, Derrick Henry. They have their quarterback playing well. And, they, and you know a team is hitting their stride when, when they start implementing those trick plays. And it is a trick play because no one really sees it coming. And, and, and it's effective. And they usually end in scoring plays, and that's what happened with those trick plays alone. And that was my biggest takeaways from this game. What were your impressions of this game? Yeah, uh, I would say I was surprised it would be an understatement, um, judging by my picks in fantasy football uh, this past Friday. Uh, that definitely surprised me. But I, I knew something was up when I saw the whole Drake thing when he posted about his, uh, <laughs> his arm sleeve said Big Trust or something like that. And that, and somebody said, well, I guess that was a good run for the Ravens. And I was like, oh, I even put in the group chat, I was like, man, I guess we got to pick new defense, new special teams. Yeah, you did. I did. And, I, and, you know, I was like, you know what, as a joke, I was like saying that. But it turned out I really did because those Ravens got me a total of zero points for that defense. So thank you, Ravens. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was surprising. It was definitely surprising. Um, I'm, I mean, I know, like, I was watching the game. I was at the gym, and I was like, all right, let me just see the score real quick. I look up, and the Ravens are, like, down 28-6, to six, and I'm like, what's going on? It's like the fourth quarter, so I'm like, all right, maybe the Ravens might come back. And, like, after, like, it was, like, four minutes left to go, and, like, the Ravens are still down, like, 20-12, to 12, and it was, like, their last drive. And I was like, are you serious? Like, you're the number one team in the AFC, and you can't win the first game? You know, like, what's going on here? But, you know, the credit to the Titans, because that defense really showed out, really balled out, really showed that last week wasn't a fluke to the uh, Patriots. And they, yeah, they definitely did what they what they came to do, and they played defense really well. And Ryan Tannehill definitely surprised me. So I would say that's my biggest takeaway this week. Yeah, um, let's give a lot of credit to the Titans because last week a lot of people it was a type of thing when they faced the Patriots um, that it was it was like all right for most people that were picking the Patriots that we'll pick it for the Patriots because of the history of them doing well in the playoffs mm-hmm. and just the Titans beating the Patriots just doesn't sound right. But at the same time, I think for a lot of those people. They look at the Patriots and and realize it wasn't the same Patriots team that they that that we have seen this whole century. Right. So coming into this week, I think the Titans deserve even more credit and have shut down all doubters and all haters because they have shut down the most electrifying 
player and offense this league has ever seen in the Ravens because the way that they shut it down and won dominantly, um, I think there's no question that this team is legitimate. If we go down, I'm just, I don't have to break down the game too in depth, but if we just look at the first quarter, I mean, the Ravens offensively get an interception on the first drive off of um, a receiver's hands. I forget which re- receiver it was, but it bounced off the hands into the defender. Mm-hmm. And, and then the next drive, the only second drive they have in the whole quarter, they get a turnover on downs. So already at this point, this is not a Ravens team that you expect. There's no points on the board at the end of the first. And they have a turnover, which was not really a narrative for this team. And um, it kind of came back. And it's, it's upsetting because for Lamar Jackson and Raven fans, this has not been a problem all year. The, the, the way that Lamar Jackson has played what is, is a complete improvement over his rookie year. But some things came back, and the turnovers were one of them. And even though the interception wasn't his fault, he also had a fumble later in the game, and he took a lot of sacks too. And second quarter hits, and there's one a big play bomb 45 yards down the field from Tannehill, and suddenly the Titans are up 14 to zero, and you're you're wondering what's going on. Yeah. And the Ravens only come away with two field goals to end the half. So. I think that sums up perfectly what's, what happens for the rest of the game because the Titans just keep pounding away. And uh, I just for the Ravens' side of the ball, I think they got away from their game plan way too quickly. Lamar was passing the ball way more than he has done all year. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's not gonna get the, you're not going to get the outcome that you've been getting all year. He had over 100 yards rushing the ball, but with that deficit, it didn't really matter. And he, he passed the ball 30-plus times entering the fourth, and I think he ended with 59 times passing the ball. I mean – this is not a recipe for success for any team, and it definitely isn't for the Ravens. So uh, that's my piece on it. Anything else you want to say about this game? No, I mean, just to say, you know, it's like the whole thing of um, by, of having a bye week going into the playoffs. I mean, that could definitely be uh, attributed to helping your team, but it also could be a detriment to your team. Um, it could make you come out slower just because, you know, a little, it'll have a little rust and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're down 14-0. And it's a playoff game, and it's not just some week, you know, some regular season game against a team that it doesn't really have much to play for. Um, that definitely goes to show that it could be, it could go one or two ways. It just depends how you prepare for the game. It just depends how you come out and just play the game. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, the Ravens came out, really balled out this season, and then, you know, to see where it ended like this, it's just kind of a travesty. But, hey, you know, we'll, they'll probably be back next year. So, good, good, good news for those Ravens fans. Yeah, they do have um, something to look forward to mm-hmm. in the future for sure. Yep. But it definitely is not the way that they wanted this season to end. And um, I think the, the one thing I do, I do want to say is because there were some boos during, mm-hmm. during the game. And um, no one knows their team better than the fans. And so I think that maybe when the fans saw the game was going, um, you could, I mean, I don't know how it feels for you because you're a Saints fan. But when I'm right. a Chargers fan, I'm watching my team. I could tell when my Chargers are going to lose. I could tell when a game is going that way. And I think maybe the fans in Baltimore felt that it was going that way too. Yeah. But moving on to the next game, the next AFC game that we have, mm-hmm. it was the Texans at the Chiefs, and really just a, what a weird one. Um, let's just jump right into it. The first right. quarter, um, you get a quick touchdown from the Texans, um, a quick long strike, a 75-yard drive taking three minutes to get to go up 7-0, and immediately this is what you're looking for because you have Will Fuller back, and it opens up the passing game, a 54-yard touchdown, and you thinking, all right, it could be a great shootout. You think it's going to be a, a, a something that that you know what the Texans can live up to the firepower and keep up with the firepower of the Chiefs, 
and maybe make this game interesting? Because going into this game, I think everyone was on the Chiefs. Were you on the Chiefs? Yeah, I was on the Chiefs bandwagon, definitely. I was on the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. You know, I had him as a starting quarterback of a fantasy. But, yeah, definitely on their bandwagon for sure. Yeah, and so it's 7-0. And then the Chiefs, it, the weirdest um, events that you could even think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most random, and you wouldn't even think they would be strung together, happen minutes within each other, and let alone in a divisional playoff game, a blocked punt, which leads to another Texans touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then a, te- a Texans... They punt the ball, and Tyreek Hill muffs the ball literally in the 10-yard line of the Chiefs. And immediately this game is 21-0, and by the end of the first, it's 24-0. Yep. And, and I woke up late for this game. I'm not going to lie. I remember waking <laughs> up. And I woke up towards the end of the first quarter, and I'm thinking, what is going on? My brother breaks it down to me. At first, I'm thinking it's Deshaun Watson making his miracle magic. But he yep. breaks down how it happened, and these were just special teams miscues and and mistakes that don't happen they just don't happen but the fact that they did happen i i i still said to i said look the chiefs can still come back these are these are not the texans shutting down the chiefs offense it's just weird plays and the chiefs are definitely gonna score and that's exactly what they did they came back with four touchdowns in the second quarter coming back 28 24 and uh this game just gets blown out of hand after that point but what what are your thoughts going into this game and up to this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, same thing. You know, when I first when I first fell in the game, I was like, okay, 7-0. The Texans just scored. They scored that big touchdown. First off, let's go back to that first touchdown. It was Kenny Stills. He caught the ball. But if you look at the play, like, Kenny Stills was wide open when he caught the ball. There's, like, not a defender within, like, 10 yards. Um, right. You know, and, like, there was a defensive miscues on that in that sense. But, you know, it was 7-0. And then I remember uh, they had that, that, that blocked punt. I ended up being 14-0, and I was like, okay, like, what's going on here? Like, okay, you know what, whatever, Chiefs, you know, Chiefs just had little miscues, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you had that Tyreek Hill miscue, and I'm like, okay, like, like maybe it's, uh, what's going on here, you know? Maybe it's, you know, because it was the first game of the, it, this was actually, I think, believe the first game of the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the playoffs, or the division round, so I'm not too sure about that, but I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I think um, it was, yeah. Was it? Okay, yeah. So I'm like thinking, okay, maybe some some miscues, some caused by, you know, having a bye week, you know, having not as much time on the field, you know, maybe that might be it. But I'm like, it's still a little weird. And then, you know, and then after, like, after that after that touchdown they scored, um, or sorry, it was 24-0, and then they kicked off uh, to the Chiefs, and you're like, okay, like, the Chiefs really need a big play, and that's when McCole Hardman takes it for, like, 30, like 50, 60 yards on the kickoff returns. So like, okay, maybe that might start the Chiefs, and sure enough, it does. And the Chiefs come back and they end up winning the game by like 20 points or something like that, you know. So I think that definitely goes to show that the Chiefs are a complete team or a more complete team than this year than last. And it just shows, you know, how how coaching can make changes because you could tell that Andy Reid definitely had changes on that team. You know, he definitely had them like, hey, say, you know, hey, like it's all right, like we're down by this much, but it we're playing in our hometown. You know, we're playing at, you know, we're playing against a team that I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong, the times are great, but they shouldn't be on the same field with us at that point. You know, and but right, but at the same time, the Chiefs still had to come back and had to do their thing, and they did. So, I would say definitely coming up to this game, I was definitely expecting more of a shootout, which it kind of was in a way. But at the same time, it I didn't expect it to be this big of a blowout, especially in a playoff game. Well, yeah, of course, you know? and you know, after starting the game twenty four zero, the Texans get outscored fifty one to seven for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. and that's for three quarters. Um, I think though. This is this is we have to break down a lot here because yeah. first off with Bill O'Brien having su- such control and such a big um, risk on this year yeah. because of how many draft picks that he traded away just for this team to be put together 
and to see how this team that the Texans are at with little investments for the future, meaning little draft stock for the future, mm-hmm. and how incomplete this team is in the AFC. That no one expected them to go this far, and being up twenty four zero, really just looking at this game as a whole, really just seemed lucky. And and take away those block punts and muff punts, and this game is even more wide open, more more disastrous. It's it's really um, a miracle to see to, to see how close that this game was. <laughs> they won by twenty points, and maybe the Chiefs should have even won by more. What I do have to say though is that the Texans is really, I think, all Deshaun Watson. I think that in the wild card weekend, it was his will that brought the team back. Um, you take a look at this game, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it all by himself. And I think, I think that the Texans – is Bill O'Brien in trouble now? Because this team, this product, is a result of his of – his, it's the consequences of his decisions. Yep. He made this team. And is this the right coach – the right organization, the right front office for Deshaun Watson. Because we don't I really don't want to see now right. is Bill O'Brien become a similar story as Mike McCarthy and the Packers, just wasting a beautiful quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and now Deshaun Watson's career. Yeah. I mean, seeing those those young primes go to waste, I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, something to look forward there. But all credit to the Chiefs and Andy Reid for pulling things together because it would have been another meltdown for Andy Reid in the playoffs and now his, his team is back in the championship, ready to move on and maybe to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, sorry, did you have anything else on this? Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to just uh, add on to that point, whole Bill O'Brien, uh, his future thing. Um, you know, obviously, it is it is very tough to see, you know, a young quarterback, you know, seen his prime wasted. But at the same time, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, they could either hire another coach that will come out and do well. But you, that's the risk you have to take because Bill O'Brien, even though he hasn't done well in the playoffs, he's gotten his team to that point. And I know it's Deshaun Watson that has been helping most of the time. And you have J.J. Watt, that whole defense, too. Um, but, you know, it is still Bill O'Brien that has, you know, he's a head coach of that team. So you kind of have to take that with a little grain of salt, whatever you want. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this Texans team definitely needs help, especially along that offensive line, to make sure Deshaun Watson doesn't get hit as many times as he does the past few seasons. Um, but, you know, hopefully hopefully everything turns out well for him because the last thing we want is for that is for that to happen. And then he turns out to be like another Andrew Luck where – you just take sacks and sacks and sacks, and injuries just pile up for him. You know, he's a he's a young player. He's got he's got no injuries to this, or at least no injuries that I can I really think of. Except for maybe a few uh, few a few dings here and there. You know, um, but you know, hopefully that stays the same same way at least. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And even, even we don't want it to end up like Andrew Luck or even like Cam Newton because he's like MVP, former MVP, and he's mm-hmm. and uh, some for some reason. His future seems uncertain over there in Carolina yeah. and because of the injuries he's dealt with. Uh, moving on, though, to the NFC now. And mm-hmm. this is a game that I didn't get to see too much of. Julian watched most of it, so I'm going to let him take care of it. But it's the Vikings at the Niners. Yeah, Vikings and Niners. Um, obviously, the Vikings came into this week uh, after defeating my Saints. I have to bring that up every few minutes to remind myself where they came from. Um, but, yeah, they came out and... You know, it was really close um, in the first quarter. I mean, to be fair, most games are at this point because they're playoff. Uh, but, you know, that, that Vikings team was really shown. Like, All right, maybe, like, they, they, they might do something against this 49ers team. And around, like, the mm-hmm. third quarter is when, like, uh, started, stuff started breaking down for the Vikings. And then the Packers – or, the uh, sorry, the 49ers got ahead of myself. The 49ers uh, ended up getting 
to the quarterback and started getting more points on the board, and that's when it broke open. I think it was like 24-7 at the end of the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay, well, I was not. I was Okay, well, looking back on it, I definitely wasn't mistaken. It was 24-10. Sorry, 24-10. 24-10. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Pat, I mean, the Vikings – sorry. Yeah, no, the Vikings definitely uh, – they showed they, – they showed they're a resilient team on the first few in the first few quarters, but the 49ers showed why they had home field advantage, at least going in uh, to the NFC playoffs. Um, or NFC part of the playoffs, you know, the, the 49ers are having a great team all season. They Their defensive line is stout, one of the best in the league we've seen, if not the best, up to, until this point. And, yeah, the 49ers had a lot of great plays, a lot of great open plays. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that can be taken for the Vikings. You know, Kirk Cousins did play a pretty good game, not as good as last week, but still a pretty good game in, you know, in, in his own mind. Um, and, yeah, the Vikings definitely showed out. Uh, show, showed up and they they put up a formidable test, but now the 49ers have looked to, uh, to look forward to next week and the Vikings do the Vikings do as well. Except their next week's gonna be involving Cabo and not you know the playoffs, right? But, but yeah. Well, um, yeah. Looking at this game, you're right. It was close in the first one. Maybe another one that we got bamboozled in the first because we thought it was close, mm-hmm. um, just like the Texans. And then the home team just completely turns it around. Mm-hmm. I thought. I mean. I didn't get to watch this game too closely, but what I did, I thought it was just another Niners dominant performance on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it, the only touchdown that the Vikings have is in the first with a long bomb to the St- Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, sometimes in the playoffs, not sometimes, it happens yeah. every year. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. We forget, excuse me, we forget who the juggernauts are. Yeah, sure. We forget because they have that first round by. And we think that maybe a team could get caught sleeping like the Ravens. But then there's also teams on the flip side of that coin who are still the same team that they were throughout the whole regular season. And the Niners are that team. They look dominant. They look like they deserve to move on to the next round and honestly deserve to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, because they, they shut down a good offense. I mean, they shut down Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Diggs, which I was raving about is was the best offense left in these playoffs. And I thought so because once you get Dalvin Cook going, it really opens up everything for this offense. The play action for Cousins, he's comfortable. Thielen, Diggs, running the routes, getting open. They still have uh, Rudolph, who's a big-bodied guy who caught a game-winning touchdown. So these are all playmakers that the Niners really shut down effectively. We didn't get to see too much of them doing anything. And uh, it was really just the dominant performance. Once the the Vikings hit 10 points, they didn't score again. And the Niners, it seemed like they cruised to a beautiful victory on route to the conference in the NFC. Anything else you have to say for this game, Julian? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup next week for them to play, you know, who they're going to play next week. Um, but, yeah, the 49ers definitely uh, showed out and showed up why they're in the number one seed going into this elite – or, sorry, uh, number one seed going into this uh, divisional round. And, yeah, the, the 49ers are definitely going to be a formidable test uh, against the Packers, obviously, next week. That's next week. But, I mean, for the Vikings at least, you know, it's – I know they're out of the playoffs right now. I know make a joke about the whole Cabo thing, but you know the Vikings definitely did prove to themselves and prove to the prove to the rest of the league that they're definitely a tough test for any team that they're playing against. And that that goes to show you know that that team is well built and that team will definitely have a great future as long as they can get a few more pieces out in there and they can have some less injury problems. I think those teams will be ready to go for next season. Right, and uh, but just how dominant is the Niners? Because sure. it's a good point that you said that the Vikings are good for the future. And that they have a good foundation because they really do. Yeah. But it just shows how other the other level that the Niners are playing at right now. Very and good. really have all season. 
Yep. Moving on to the next NFC game, it is the Seahawks at the Packers. And uh, this game, just I, I, got, I got to catch a few glimpses of it. And for me, my impressions of was just Russell Wilson uh, just having to will his team back again, having to really save uh, Pete Carroll. And, uh, man, I don't like establishing narratives and drawing parallels, but it's really hard not to see it. I mean, for years, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been able to put the team on his back to carry him to another Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson can't do it all, all alone over there in, in uh, Houston. You see that in the AFC. And then now we're going back to the NFC. And look, all year, the reason why the Seahawks have been in games is because of Russell Wilson. It's the reason why he was an MVP candidate. Still is one. I don't know who's going to win it at this point. Uh, I think it should be Derrick Henry. But this game, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's going to – it came down to um, the last few possessions. It was either the Seahawks were going to get a stop and Russell Wilson was going to lead him down the field, or the Packers were just going to keep going. And they did get a stop. The, the Packers, they punt the ball. It's 28-23 at this point. Seattle gets the ball back, and they don't do anything. And Russell Wilson, and, and it's not a, sh- um, a dig at Russell Wilson. It is to show how good this Packers defense has been all year, to show that the real deal, you could stop Russell Wilson in prime time, in under the lights, under the – Fourth quarter comebacks, all it, he is the specialist when it comes to this winning, winning on the last drive for his team, and they get a stop. They punt the ball, they use their timeouts to try and get the ball back. But no, the Packers say, you know what? We have an offense, we have some bombs. Rodgers with a 32 yard pass to put this game away, and uh, then they just kneel the ball, and this game's over at 28 23. I thought this was maybe the best game of the weekend, and um. And uh, it was just a good overall win for the Packers. And it, I think I, I would be satisfied with either the Packers or the Niners representing representing in the championship game for the NFC. Maybe more the Niners because if the Packers go, I think it'd be kind of weird because it's a 100-year anniversary. And uh, it kind of feels a little shady with them going back because huh. they, they, were the, they were the first Super Bowl. So I don't know if they're trying to make a Chiefs-Packers again. But anyway, that's my piece on it. What were your impressions of this game? Yeah, I mean, as far as the whole best game of the week, uh, best game of the weekend, that was definitely true. I mean, it was the closest game of the weekend for sure because I know that that was the only game that was within one touchdown uh, score-wise uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the game. So that definitely helped. Um, but, you know, the, credit to both teams. They both played a hard-fought game. But credit more so to the Packers because they did uh, come out and earn this victory against the Seahawks team, which was, you know, it hasn't been as good as in, as the past, you know, it's those Super Bowl years. But... The Packers definitely came back from where they were last year, and they came back and they showed that you know this team is definitely still have has a lot of talent, had a lot of things. They just needed a different coach and different guy to re-energize them. So this so this defense has definitely showed up and showed out, and it wasn't just it just showed it. It wasn't just Aaron Rodgers like it has been the past few years. Like it, I mean Russell Wilson, the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, the Packers definitely came up and they played out in Lambeau. Of course, there were there were some calls. I'll admit that that were a little shady. But at the same time, you know, you got to take what, what you can. It's, it's a playoff round. You can't you can't complain about it too much. If for me to decide, because those those calls can go those calls can go either way. Um, right. So I would definitely say that next week, uh, looking forward to it, not but not too much because that's what we're do at the end of the segment. Um, you know, we're gonna talk about that. But the Packers definitely came out and they showed why Matt Lafleur, who's actually a former Titans guy, so that'd be kind of funny if he ended up coaching against the Titans in the Super Bowl. But we'll that'd be, be cool. Seen. That'd be seen, you know. <laughs> 
but yeah, so that they definitely showed out, and I you know I've said showed out like this that saying about three or four times in this entire three minutes. Um, but the Packers definitely came up, did their thing, and showed why that you know they are they're they're not the first seed, of course, not going to have home field advantage next game, but they did show why they're the top one of the top two teams in the NFC, and yeah, the whole representing the NFC in the NFC in the uh, Super Bowl. Both teams, it go either way. Uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for both teams, but it's also going to be a great matchup, and I expect this to be probably the best matchup of the next week for the NFC Conference Championship. Yeah, it should be a good one, and we'll uh-huh. preview that a little bit. Yes, um, for this game, I thought, it, it, as far as offensively for the Seahawks, I thought that they, they took a while to get going. Yep. Um, you take a look at the score. It is 28-10 to 10 at the uh, middleway, midway point of the third quarter and it's just when is when is this team gonna get going and all of a sudden um russell wilson starts willing his team back but like i said it's been the inconsistent offenses or the offenses that haven't showed up all playoffs that have been getting bounced out it's the saints that didn't really show up the patriots that didn't really show up the seahawks that didn't show up this week um the ravens that didn't show up this past weekend so uh you could just look go down the list i this is just off the top of my head but the ones that didn't show up offensively or that don't have a, rel- a reliable or strong enough way to score because you can't just rely on one player um, on the quarterback. You can't just rely on Russell Wilson. He can't do it all alone. And, he, and you can't just rely on Deshaun Watson. It's too hard for these guys to overcome, especially going against stout defenses. And um, I just think it shows that you just need a, a complete football team. The, and the, high, the playoffs really highlight that. They, they highlight that you need a complete football team. It's not just going to be one player. And uh, I think that wraps it up for our, pre, or our re- reviews for the past weekend. Moving on to NFL news. And this is a big one because we, just, we were talking about it mm-hmm. last week. Is uh, Stefanski. He just got hired by yes. the Cleveland Browns. And I, we, I don't know about you, but I, I'm really happy about this because yeah. – I think that it's a perfect hire for the Browns. I think Browns fans should be happy. I think Browns fans um, are, are, should be excited with Stefanski, seeing that what he's done over there. And he's come from Minnesota. He's the offensive coordinator over there. Seeing how he had success, um, I think this is, this is a good sign for, for Cleveland, who has all these weapons and hasn't been able to really reach their potential. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it is a good hire, but at the same time, you know, we always got to think about it with the grain of salt because there are always pros and cons uh, for every hiring group. Um, right. You know, so the, I definitely say the pros for Stefanski is that he's had to deal with um, he's had to deal with talented players. He's had to deal with those guys, but come from the Vikings. He's had to deal with kind of balancing between the run game and the pass game with those weapons that he has over there. So it's kind of be a little bit of the same thing, obviously, with more talent on the Brown side because you're talking about OBJ and you're talking about Jarvis Landry. You're talking about you know Kareem Hunt and uh, Baker Mayfield, especially. You know, so you're talking about a lot of those things. So he's had to deal with that, and so that'll be a good. But at the same time. We don't know as far as his head coaching experience goes because he doesn't have any uh, in the NFL. So that remains to be seen how well that will turn out. And plus, you know, it's it's been tough. It's been a tough sledding for the Cleveland Browns fans since they came back into existence um, in the 90s. But, you know, hopefully we'll remain optimistic about this hiring just because, you know, we want to see the Browns succeed and because the Browns haven't been in a playoff game since like the early 2000s and I was only five by the, back then. Um, so it's going to be – it's a little tough. It's a little tough for Browns fans to say, oh, like, we're getting excited for this. But at the same time, you know, Stefanski's a great mind, a great offensive mind. They have a respected NFL coach. 
a uh, guy who's been in the league for a few for for a couple years and has been a coordinator for a couple years. So it'll hopefully for Browns fans it turns out well. But yeah, I think it's a good hiring, and but it remains to be seen at the same time. So. Yeah, it it is remains to be seen because uh, for the last two seasons now the Browns have had promise there, and there hasn't been any anything to show for it. There hasn't been a playoff game to show for it yet. Um, it's still young, still early, especially for these young guys' careers, but it's just not there yet. Um, the next little bit, bit of news, um, we didn't really cover it when it happened, but we'll cover it now, is Matt Rule being the new coach for the Panthers, and the new OC over there is going to be Joe Brady from LSU. Um, I don't really know too much about these guys. What do you think about them, though? Yeah, uh, Matt Rule came from Baylor. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy who definitely turned around that program. They were, I believe, 1-11 coming off those sanctions too, off of Art Bryles and that whole thing that happened over there. And he turned that program around, and he, he, now they're 11-3, I believe, or 10-3 this past season. They didn't, they didn't win their bowl game, but, hey, that's not what counts. The count, it what counts is that they came back in over, like, two or three years to go from 1-11 to having 11 wins. So that's definitely a big turnaround. Plus, Joe Brady's now is the youngest offensive coordinator in the league, so that definitely helps out um, related to those players, the young guys, you know, guys like Christian McCaffrey and maybe even Cam Newton, you know, if he can return healthy to that and return to that MVP form. Uh, Joe Brady obviously come from LSU. Congratulations, 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 by the way, to LSU for winning that national championship against Clemson. Um, you know, that was their hard-fought game. But, yeah, I mean – Joe Brady, no, he did have experience as an as as an offensive assistant. He wasn't a coordinator, but he was an offensive assistant in the in the Saints uh, system. So I kind of know a little bit about him in that way. Um, so hopefully, you know, those two college guys get that right, offense revving, ready to go. And you know, hope we'll just see about that defense because you know those two offensive guys adding. You know, we don't know what they're gonna do with that defense. You know, the Panthers have do have a good defense. They obviously take some losses. You know, recently we'll talk about those later. Um, uh, but you know, the Panthers definitely do uh, have have a future for offense. So that's that should be that should be good and roll. It'll it'll be hopefully it turns out well for them, but not too well to, you know, whether they beat the Saints because we don't I, don't, <laughs> I don't I really don't want that right now. Right, your division rival all of a sudden being real. Um Very true. also staying with Panther News is Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley yeah. retired coming out of nowhere after eight seasons. I think this guy's a Hall of Famer for sure. Oh, definitely. Um undoubtedly had a great career and was one of just the centerpieces for um, a good defense. Mm-hmm. And it has kind of declined over the years, but he, him himself, Luke Keekley, hasn't retired or hasn't declined. Uh, he's one of the smartest players to ever play this game. I'm just happy that I get to see this guy um, of this talent in my lifetime. And uh, definitely sad that he, he's retired, but I definitely understand at the same time. Have you seen, have you, did you see his retirement video? I did, um, yeah, I did. It, it looked like it looked like he took a toll on him playing football. Yeah, uh, he said he played since fourth grade, and uh, that that will take a toll on anybody. Even playing football for one year can change your life because you don't know what kind of injury you'll take. So, um, thank you, Luke Keekley, for for playing your heart out and being one of the best ever play. What are your memories of Keekley um, terrorizing the Saints offense? <laughs> Yeah, uh, definitely have many of those memories, uh, many of those times watching him, you know, and I remember this one game in particular, one of those Thursday night football, he came out, and the Saints, I thought they were going to win the game, but Luke Pickley changed the facet of the game, so tell me, shout out to Luke, obviously we talk, we can talk about that defense, we talk about what the impact he's had to that Carolina community, but also that defense as well, um, you know, they came into Super Bowl 50, you know, off that, what, 15-1 season, everybody's going to think they were going to win, they didn't win that game, they didn't beat the, the Broncos, but he was a big part of that reason why they even went to that uh, Super Bowl and the 
you know, for that for, for it being the first Super Bowl since I believe it was 2003 2004 when Jake DeLome was still the quarterback. That oh, right. Out. Yeah. Yeah. What a throwback. Yeah. That just shows you how long it's been since the Panthers were, you know, definitely successful in the NFL. But shout out to Luke Keekley, you know, a guy from Boston College and a, a guy who's smart. And he's only 28, so he's got basically his entire life ahead of him. Of course. You know, so he's got a lot of he's got a lot of things to worry about, you know, not a lot of things to worry about, a lot of things to do in his life. So thank so good for him. He made the decision that's best on for himself. Obviously, it's going to be a huge loss for the NFL community. You know, we're not going to be able to watch him play anymore. But at the same time, you always got to tip, tip your hat off to him and definitely a Hall of Fame career um, for the for the years he spent in the NFL and for the years he's done and for the service he's had for that team. Right. Definitely definitely excited for the next chapter in his life. Right, true. Um, we'll see if kind of route he likes to take, maybe coaching. Yep. I, would lo- I would love to see him as a coach or maybe in the booth. We'll see what happens because all these – Former NFL players, they head to the booth, and for the most part, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, now that wraps it up for the news. We're going to end this podcast with something we didn't do last wrap-up, and that's a preview for the next weekend. And it's, uh-huh. it works that it's only two games, but um, it, it's going to be a good one. Um, I think I'm excited to talk about these. The preview for the conference championship, uh, we'll get some predictions. First one I want to really talk about is the Titans at Chiefs which we have a team in the Titans who's having one of the best Cinderella runs in the NFL, um, maybe in all of the NFL history, or at least recent memory, at least this century. They have really been the dark horse team. Um, no, one has, no one could have predicted this in the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about how you can't have one player carry your team. You couldn't At the quarterback position, it was Russell Wilson for the Seahawks and Deshaun Watson for the Texans. And um, when I said that, I, I was saying, man, am I saying that for the Titans? And I'm going to say no, because it is Derrick Henry, but at the same time, his teammates are stepping up around him. It's not like they're, it's just Derrick Henry, and it literally is just Derrick Henry. No, we have Ryan Tannehill playing well. Jonu Smith with a crazy game. He's stepping up. Um, A.J. Brown's still there. The defense that has just shut down two really good teams on the road in the Patriots and the Ravens um, is – is it just one more impossible task? They've done every single impossible task that that they have been given. Is it one more in the Chiefs? Can they can they keep up with the firepower of the Chiefs? Can they stop them? Is there can you see that even happening? Um, let's let's start there. What about that? Yeah, uh, the Chiefs have a have, obviously have home field advantage, but that doesn't seem to really mind the Titans a lot. You know, they they went out they went and played Fox, in Foxborough, which is definitely one of the toughest environments to play at. You know, you're done with that freezing cold weather. You're talking about the Patriots have with the legacy they've had, especially recently. Um, you know, the the Titans came out and beat them, and then you're like, all right, like maybe that's because the Patriots. You know, they don't have the weapons that they used to have. They don't have the team that the same the same team that they used to have. So you're like, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe it might just be a fluke. But then they come in, they beat the number one team all season long. They beat them in Baltimore, you know, in their own hometown. And you're just like, okay, wait a second. Like, what, what's going on here? Like, are the Titans going to make a magical run like those uh, Giants did, you know, a few years back with, you know, 2012 and 20 and 2009 too? You know, it's going to be it's, – it's definitely tough. And you talk about those weapons. I would say probably one of the most complete teams, if not the most complete team in the NFL. It's definitely shown why. You know, you're talking about those weapons and – but I feel like the weapon you didn't mention the most is the biggest is one of the biggest uh, contributions to the team. And that's Brandon Furster. Brandon Furster <laughs> came out and showed out. I don't know how much statistics he had, but he did. He came out and showed out. And guess what? He's going to the AFC Conference Championship. So that goes to show how much Brandon Furster <laughs> is a beast. Um, but uh, Anthony Furster. Uh, sorry, sorry, 
have any purchases. My mistake. I was wondering why I couldn't find them on Google. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, and sorry, Anthony Ferguson. My mistake. Sorry, Anthony. And sorry to your family if you're even here, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, Anthony Ferguson definitely a beast. But uh, <laughs> but to go back into that, but to go back into uh, reality for a sec. Um, you, know, you talk about the Titans team, and they go and they show out, and they're a resilient team for sure. Derrick Henry definitely the beast from out from Alabama. You know, guys, I know I've read about his height and his weight and his. 40 time every season, but or every game, every week. But seriously, this man is a man among boys. He's taken every defense you can think of, and he showed out why he's one of the best, if not the best, running back recently in the league. Um, but now going back to the Chiefs, obviously it's going to be an in, in Arrowhead. You're going to play against that Patrick Mahomes led offense, and that 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 offense is going to be tough. Plus, that defense has come out and showed up and done their thing, and you know talk about that D four defense, and that's going to be a tough matchup, man. I'll admit, that's going to be a tough matchup. You know, you talk about two guys. You talk about at Ryan Tannehill, a guy who wasn't who wasn't even a quarterback at the, or starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. And then for him to come in and then just do what he's done, you know, it showed it showed why Ryan Tannehill is his comeback player of the year for sure, at least for me he is, at least. You know? Right. Okay. Um, well, let me, let me just break down a little bit what you said. Because I, I was yep. wondering if you thought that the firepower of the Chiefs can mm-hmm. be slowed down, stopped. Yep. And um, in my – Heart of hearts, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. like at the same time, I just I think I think of two things. All right, when it when it comes down to it, I think of what the Titans have done and what the Chiefs have done. And the Chiefs been the uh, the best offense left in the playoffs, I guess. Now I, I, I guess yeah. it falls on them. And yeah. uh, I should have I should have picked them from the beginning. But um, what, the way that they came back against the Texans. Literally, literally within minutes, they scored. I think three touchdowns. <laughs> it was an insane. It was an insane statistic, and they it was um instantaneous. And um the way the that those touchdowns came about was even more ridiculous. But I think it goes to show that the Chiefs are ridiculous. But at the same time, the Titans are ridiculous. They they have stopped the most insane electrifying player in Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So can they do that and apply that to the Chiefs? Honestly, I don't know if they can. But who has the better defense? I think the Titans have the better defense. I think the Titans have a better matchup going against the Chiefs. I don't mm-hmm. think the Chiefs have a chance at all to stop the Titans. Because Very if true. you take a look at this, the Chiefs give up 4.9 yards per rush. That's 29th in the league. Give up 126.2 rushing yards per game. That's 26th in the league. And they're 20th in the league in rushing, opponents rushing touchdowns. Um, this is a recipe for success for the Titans. And they have to be looking at this game and thinking this might fall into us, into our lap um, and work out for us again, because it seems like Derrick Henry's poised for another big one. I trust the Titans defense more than I trust the chiefs defense to stop their opponent. Meaning I think the Titans get at least one or two more stops, more crucial stops than the chiefs and to build upon a lead. I, it sounds like to me, I, this is how I feel like it will go. And I, I think that at the end of the day, I think I have to go with the Titans. I think that's my team that I'm going to like up, lock up. I think I'm going to see them in the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, when it comes to hard decisions like this, I always have to look at the quarterbacks. And um, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the better quarterback. And then Tannehill. Um, no one will, will, will argue that, all that crap. But, but I, I, just, I just think I give a slight edge to the Titans defense here. I think that they, they've found something um, in, in the way – that they that they've been playing in this playoffs to really take their defense to the next level. They're it, in ways you could feed off of your offense on the defense when you have long drives sustained on the offensive side of the ball, 
then when you go out on defense with fresh legs, you, you, you'll be able to keep up with some of these speedy guys. Um, they, they kept it up with Baltimore. I would really love to see him do it one more time in Kansas City. It's not because I'm a Chargers fan and I'm a Chiefs hater. It's because uh-huh. I could see it hate. I could see it happening. Um, what do you think about this game? And give me your prediction. Yeah, um, as far as this game goes, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a real matchup. It's going to be – I feel like this matchup won't be determined on the offensive side of the ball. It'll be determined on the defensive side of the ball. I knew you said that, you know, who's going to stop who, which defense is going to stop who. But as far as predictions go, I'm not going to pull a Drake here. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm going to jump on the top bandwagon. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to surprise anybody. But I will admit, though, the Titans have definitely surprised me the past few weeks, and especially last week after beating the Ravens and beating the team that I thought was going to go to the Super Bowl and, possibly, and probably win it. Um, I would definitely say I'm on. A, I'll I'll be the I'll be in the Titans bandwagon this this week. You know, you definitely convinced me last week with the whole Derrick Henry thing about no one can stop him. And you know, you're right. No one can stop him. This man is a man amongst boys when it comes to that. So I would definitely say the Titans will come out and they'll beat the Chiefs. Now, I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be somewhere in the range of maybe 25 to 22, possibly around that range. I think both teams will go over 20 points. But I think Andy Reid in the playoffs. You know, we've seen him and we've seen him kind of crumble in the playoffs and. You know, I it, it's just it's one of those things where you you can see it coming and you don't want to say it's true. But at the same time, you know, you can't say that you don't you didn't see it coming. And, you know, I do think the Titans will show up and show why they are probably the most resilient team in the league this season. Coming in and seeing how many teams that they had to make. And, you know, I think that team will definitely come out and go. And we'll see them in the Super Bowl playing against the whoever wins in the NFC for sure. Yeah. Um. One thing to know is yeah. I think that the Texans defense is really bad, and it, their secondary has been one of the worst. And I think maybe the score uh, last weekend, this past weekend, may have been blown out of proportion or not really put into the right perspective considering how I don't think that was a really good defense to gauge where the, the Chiefs are at offensively. I know the Chiefs are, are, are amazing, um, and I won't deny that, but I think the Titans are a lot better. We'll see what happens. I'm going to get my score for this game. Titans... Titans 27. No, I have to go more because I think the Chiefs are scoring more. Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Titans 33, Chiefs 30. Okay, it's a good score. I mean, you know what? Let, let, let me let me go back because you're right. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a high scoring game. The Chiefs are definitely not gonna score 20 points. They're gonna score more than that. So I will jump on that banner. I'll say it's, I'll say it'll still be a three point game, but I'll go with 30 to 27 this season. This game. Yeah, I can totally totally see that being one of the scores. Moving on to the NFC and who's going to be playing, I guess, the Super Bowl. Um, But we got the Packers at the Niners. And this is a tale of, I think, almost David and Goliath. (laughs) I know that I need to put some respect on, excuse me, on the Packers Mm -hmm. having a 13-3 and season. But so are the Niners. And I I just feel completely different about these two teams as far as who do I feel more comfortable with? I feel like like this game is the easier game to pick for me. What do you think? Yeah, it's it definitely this definitely is gonna game this game's tough, you know, because you obviously have that Fortnite defense that is touted. I mean, vaunted, highly respected, you know, you can't be taught can't be beat. And plus you also can't forget about George Kittle. George Kittle beat you know, beast mode part two, Gronkowski part two, whatever you want to call him. I mean this man is this man is a beast. But that that Packers team has really surprised me, and they've really gone further than I thought they were going to go at this point. You, know, you are playing in you are going to play in uh, in Santa Clara, so it's going to be close to actually where Aaron Rodgers grew up. He grew up in Chico, California, so kind of in the same range, both in NorCal. Um, but 
don't know, man. Those 49ers, that 49ers team has looked has looked vaunted or has looked has looked tough. We'll just have to see how Jimmy Garoppolo shows up. You know, if he if he does play well and he does continue that streak he's been on recently. Yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has stepped up all year. Well, he's sure. only had to step up really towards the late, latter half of the season mm-hmm. um, because in the beginning of the year it was really that uh, running offense. But Jimmy G has stepped up when the games have gotten close, and he hasn't looked back. He hasn't taken a step back, and I think that's going to continue. You take a look at these rankings. I mean, look, let me just read this out for you. Offensively, they're, the Niners, these are for the Niners, are ranked fourth, defense second, passing 13th, rushing second. So they're only out of the top four in one category, all right? Now, if you take a look at the Packers, they are all outside of the top 15. Offense, 18th. Defense, 18th. Passing, 17th. Rushing, 15th. It is, this is just a big difference in statistical advantage. I think the Niners have way more talent, too. Uh, I th- take a look at quarterback. This year, definitely Jimmy G is the better quarterback. I, I think ev- all things are pointing to a Niners victory. But if there's going to be a Packers upset, I think some way, somehow, Aaron Jones has to get going. Very Jones true. has to get yeah. those touches. He has to be able to be a factor, a touchdown machine. Um because I think that he has been the reason why this offense has had a chance, staying in a lot of games, and and we it, he's due for another big Aaron Jones four touchdown explosion. It's 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 been huh. random, it's been sporadic, yep. but if it's gonna happen, the Packers really need it this game, and I think that's that's really um, one of their only hopes to win this game. Yep. What, yeah. what do you think over here? Oh yeah, so I mean yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard fought game. I'll admit it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a closer game than many people think, um, but. I don't know because those those 49ers defense like that 49ers they do have I I'm looking at statistics right now and they do have 27 takeaways on the on the uh on the season as far as and the Packers only have 25 but they also have 23 giveaways which means they only have a four we only have a four uh, turnover differential and the Packers have a 12 different 12 turnover differential when they have 25 takeaways but only 13 giveaways so I think mm. I think the that amount definitely goes to show that, you know, as far as the ball goes, if you're looking for the Packers to give away the ball, it's not going to happen. At least it won't happen a lot. Jimmy Garoppolo might throw an interception or two that might hurt the 49ers. But, that again, that will remain to be seen. And, you know, as far as the Packers running back goes, Aaron Jones, yeah, he's going to need to have a big game. But the 49ers have to step up and contribute because, you know, we've, we've, we know about their injuries. We know about, you know, their top guys being out. But Rasheem Mostert has to come out and show up and at least has to have like a 95 to 100 yard game too in, in order for the 49ers to come out and they do what they need to do. So it, it'll, it'll be a good game. I'll, I'll admit it'll be a good game. It'll be a good game for sure. Yeah, I think that the three losses that the Packers have this year, it was really evident when, um, why it happened. It was because that there was some pressure happening. Um, yeah. When the Chargers faced the Niners, or sorry, when the Chargers faced the Packers, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram were just disrupting, disrupting Aaron Rodgers and getting to him quickly. When the Niners faced the Packers, they soundly handled them earlier this year on the 24th. That was my birthday. Um, Ooh, nice. Yeah, but Nick Bosa was everywhere. And, and that defensive line for the Niners is honestly on another planet. And I think that we might have a repeat. Maybe not the score, but I think a repeat performance of the Bosa attack. And that line just being so dominant. When you watch this game, take a look at the the line. And once that line dominates, it's over for the Packers because they can. They're a team that really relies on making sure that they they have good blocking up front um, to get either Aaron Jones going 
or some receivers going. They they don't have a quick game that's fast enough to to beat to beat that pass rush. So if it gets going again, like how it happened earlier this year, I think the Niners cruise on to an easy victory. I'm ready to call this game. Are you? Yeah, I'm ready to do it. Let's do it. So I'm gonna call this game in favor of the Niners. They're going to the bowl. Um, I think that they can might blow out of the water. Thirty to seventeen. Ooh, okay, that's that's a that's a big score. That's a big score, especially in the NFC Championship game. Um, I will say it's that's gonna. I think it's gonna be a little closer than that. I think it's gonna be. Uh, I think it'll be twenty five, possibly to twenty. Twenty five, twenty one. Twenty five, twenty one is my final score. That's what I think it's gonna be. Um, but you know, it's gonna be a tough one because as much as I want to see the 49ers go to the bowl, it's also gonna be very tempting to see maybe an Aaron Rodgers Patrick Mahomes matchup. You know, you're talking about that in the Super Bowl, you could possibly see. But you're also talking about if if the Titans go and the Packers go, then you talk about Matt Lafleur, who was an offensive coordinator for the Titans last season, for him to play against his old or for him to co- coach against his old team and to see where that team's gone. You know, that it's gonna be definitely an intriguing matchup. But I will definitely say that any of these matchups will definitely uh, pale or definitely be better than whatever we saw last year with the Titans or sorry with the Patriots and the Rams. So it'll oh, definitely yeah. it'll definitely be this it'll definitely be an interesting Super Bowl or more interesting Super Bowl than we have seen in the past. So. There, there, there are a lot of statistics that go towards that, but again, it should be a fun weekend. You know, both games are on Sunday, which I don't think that's have that's happened in in recent memory. At least I can't think of one um, where both team where both games have been on the same day. But it's going to be a fun matchup, and it should be an exciting weekend for sure. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you. I just actually, you bring up a good point as far as the floor because yeah. I think that this season is a is a victory for the floor, getting to the NFC Championship for in the sure. first year, turning it around. I think that. He's done enough. Going to the Super Bowl, I think, would be ahead of schedule and overachieving for for this Packers team. I don't mm-hmm. think that the Packers fans can really blame LaFleur if they don't win this one because I think mm-hmm. that the talent level for the Niners just it really outweighs what the Packers have. Yep. But um, it should be a good one. The narratives going into this game would be – or into the Super Bowl would be insane because we're thinking a Titans-Niners Super Bowl, and uh, it, it would just be fun. It would just yeah. be fun to see that. Sure. I'm ready to wrap this podcast up, though. Th- Julian? Thank you um, for another good podcast. Thank you to our listeners for the Fantasy Sports Cave and everyone here. Have a great weekend. Enjoy football. And we are out. Oh, Julian. Sorry. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on the same page that I've been promoting the past two weeks. And I still have no followers on there. I still have no (laughs) friends on there. So I'm waiting for y'all. I'm hoping this might be a little late. Whatever. Point B. You can find me on Snapchat. Julian. Cheddar and Cheddar is spelled A-N-C-H-E-T-A for all you listeners that are still listening 50 minutes in. Um, and then for Lucas, where can they find you at my friend? Find me at SugarFreeLucas on Twitter and on Instagram, Lucas underscore Reyes. So that does it for the Fantasy Sports Cave, and we are out. <laughs>